Welcome to the B2B Marketing and Copywriting Podcast. I'm your host, Linda Malone, certified conversion copywriter, copy strategist, and founder of Copyworks. Join me each week as I speak with experts in the fields of marketing, copywriting, decision-making, psychology, and more, all with one goal, to help you attract your ideal customers and inspire them to take action. My guest today is Christian Klepp. Christian is a professional B2B marketer and a copywriter and has been one for the past 13 years. He says he's had the major privilege of working with B2B brands across different markets in Asia, Europe, and North America and considers himself a global citizen and student of languages. Canada is the seventh country that he's lived in and he's currently learning his fifth language, which is French. He also says he likes to sketch images of old buildings and temples in Shanghai in his spare time. In today's episode, Christian is going to talk about a major issue, which is B2B marketing content that is super boring. Why is B2B content so boring? What makes it boring? And what can B2B marketers do to make it a lot more engaging? (laughs) Let's jump right in. All right, Christian, thank you so much for joining me today. This is going to be a lot of fun. I love this topic. I appreciate you taking the time. Linda, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah, before I get into our main topic today, I need to ask you, you say you're a student of languages. How do you learn a new language? Because I grew up with a Japanese mom, as you know, you and I mm-hmm. have talked about. My dad yeah. was Italian, and both sides of the yeah. family knew those languages. I learned neither. I barely get through an English most days. So how are you learning? Are you learning through an app sort of thing or do you, how do you do that? Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. I mean, I, I, I suppose I was fortunate enough to grow up in a multilingual household. Let's just put it that way. I mean, I spoke German with my late father. Um, and that's the other language that I would say I speak to the same, uh, with the same level of fluency as English. And my mom is uh, Filipino, and she, she, she. I mean, we we mostly speak in English, but she also peppers it with. Um, uh, there's a dialect in the central Philippines called Bisaya, so that's um, that's a language I also grew up with. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, yeah, I mean, like currently I'm learning French, and I'm doing that through an app called Duolingo. Oh, um, okay. I, yeah, but I did find that there were some limitations. For example, we did do a road trip to Montreal, and I said, okay. Well, Duolingo doesn't exactly tell me how to order food in French. So I looked up something on YouTube, as you do these days, and there's a there's a YouTube channel called Easy French, and it teaches you conversational French. Oh. But here's the catch. Um, this Easy French channel teaches you how to speak it in the Parisian way. <laughs> okay. And let's just say that the French that they speak in Montreal is uh, not Parisian, and sorry oh, to anyone wow. who's listening to this is was from Montreal, but it's true. That is yeah. funny. Yeah, because I keep, like, I've tried Duolingo, and but I don't have a reason or anyone I can speak to, so I just mm-hmm. dropped it, And but it's just interesting. But I've yeah. sometimes used, like, Google Translate. I've tried to, if we're watching a TV show that's dubbed, and I'll, I'll hold mm-hmm. it up to the to the TV, and yeah. it's ac- actually accurate, when I, but usually you can't hear it. It's not that clear. I've tried to use it when I get my nails done in the, the Vietnamese nail salons, and I try to catch yeah. what they're talking about me, but they don't talk loud enough. <laughs> Someday yeah. I'll catch them saying That's it. actually a very complicated language. Um, they, it, it's also another language that uses tones, uh, uh, and that basically means that if you mispronounce the words, um, they, they have different meanings, right? And uh, 
that's one thing I learned the hard way when I started learning Chinese. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, my mom used to tell me that about Japanese, that there were yes. two you know, ways you could pronounce something and it would be two different right. words. But, All right. but yeah, that's so interesting. So when it comes to, and we're just, there's no real segue to segue into our, con to our, our conversation today, but yeah. B2B content is known for being super boring. And you know how people have these fears about speaking on stage or yeah. like, you know, all these different phobias. My phobia is being caught in a conversation, in a boring conversation mm -hmm. I can't get out of. And that's like a fear of mine. <laughs> and it's almost <laughs> like that with when I come across boring content. Why mm -hmm. do you think B2B content is so boring? A lot of it. When I think about the uh, what B2B stands for, I mean, you know, everybody knows it's business to business, but I actually tried to tell myself that it actually means from boring to brilliant. There's many reasons why, right? But I think at, at its very basic level, B2B traditionally has been known to have this mindset of let's just, let's be risk averse. Mm -hmm. Let's not try to rock the boat too much. Let's play it safe and do what we've always done. Right. But let's expect different results. <laughs> and I know there's this controversy around that expression and everybody's like, oh, Albert Einstein said it. And no, he didn't. But basically, it's the whole <laughs> bit about insanity is like doing the, the, the same, same thing, thing over and over again and expecting a different result, right? So I think um, B2B uh, has that problem, right? So there's, there's that. I think also one that I've seen uh, just working with B2B companies, especially the bigger ones, and correct me if I'm wrong, they become their own worst enemy because they have all these, I call them the, the brand Bibles or these very strict guidelines that dictate mm -hmm. this is what we should write about. This is the tonality. This is on brand. This is off brand, right? You shouldn't write like this. You shouldn't write like that. And if that brand Bible does not evolve and does not uh, move with the times, okay. then you get, and, and, and that, 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 that in my experience, I think eight times out of 10 is the case. Then you're stuck with this guidelines that are outdated, right? right? And then you're still stuck like with something that was probably uh, made sense 10 years ago or five years ago, et cetera, et cetera. So the guidelines is another one. The other one, which I absolutely try to avoid like the plague is internal politics plays mm -hmm. a huge role, mm -hmm. right? And you might think like, oh, well, what does that have to do with content? And I, I would actually say it has a lot to do with it, right? I've worked for some companies where articles have to be reviewed by seven different layers, not people, layers, right? So different business units, different departments. This one has to make sure that it's on brand. This one has to make sure because it's about their product or, 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 or whatnot that we're saying the right things. And so everybody needs to have their, own, I, I, I suppose, um, g give it their blessing, you know, or, right. or, or their approval. And to make sure that we're all saying the right thing. So there's a lot of, and then everybody chimes in and, and, and gives their opinion about what should and shouldn't be said. Right. So you've got this whole decision by committee scenario going, going on. Mm -hmm. Another issue, which I see a lot, especially in bigger companies is they tend to use the outside in versus the inside out approach. And what I really mean by that, for those of you listening out there is they tend to just look inwards and make sure that everybody internally is aligned and everybody internally is happy with the content. Right. And then they release that content out into the wild and it doesn't perform. Yeah. Why? 
because they didn't take the, uh, the, the customer or the target audience or the target reader into consideration, right? Yeah. So it's basically just this whole, I call it the pleasing everyone internally game, yeah. which, um, which we all, you know, we, you and I both know that that's a road to nowhere. Right? Yeah. It, it, at least if you want to make it, um, <laughs> if you want to make it resonate with your target audience. And I think the last one I'm going to say is a lot of this content is also written under the assumption that the reader knows exactly what you're talking about. So right. what I mean by what I mean by that is like, and I've worked with a couple of these guys in the past and continue to work with them, um, engineers, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to like, um, you know, say a bash engineers here, but like, you know, I, I've been involved in, uh, situations where I had to write an article or write some content and we had to inter interview the engineering department and the way they explain it to you is like, they assume that you are an engineer too, and you know exactly what they're talking about. And I'm like, okay, okay, let's take a step back and just assume that the person you're speaking to at the other end is not at your level, like in terms of, uh, you know, being an engineer or whatnot. So how could you simplify you that? Know. Because they start, you know, they start dropping in all this like technical jargon and then, and then my, 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 my beloved acronyms, right? There's so many acronyms and, and, and these abbreviations and et cetera. And, and it just becomes this big, like, um, you know, you're half Italian. So it becomes this big minestrone, right? <laughs> <laughs> A giant word soup. Or <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Or it's just this complete mishmash of this and that. And, mm -hmm. um, and, th and then you take a step back and you ask yourself, okay, so wh what are you trying to tell me here? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, what is the purpose of this content? Like, what, what, what is it that you're hoping, uh, you know, people will, will take away from this and, 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 you know, are, are you expecting them to act upon it? Uh, what, what are you expecting? What are your expectations? Right? So a lot of these factors, um, come into play, but I would say off the top of my head, those are, those are some of the key reasons yeah. why, um, B2B is plagued with this boring content, uh, disease, right? Everything. Yeah. And I agree. Everything you mm -hmm. said can, uh, can refer to either content or also refers to copywriting and yes. trying to get a message out or creating messaging for a unique messaging for a company is difficult when everybody wants, you know, wants their say. And what happens is it gets diluted. It ends Absolutely. up just, okay, well, we'll be safe. Everyone will understand it. And it's just, like you said, it's boring. And, and so having messaging or whether it's content or copywriting that stands out means stepping outside of that. And that is something Correct. that seems to be a big fear, especially if it's a big company. I have definitely seen that. And I always, yeah. I like the, the phrase I heard on another podcast once about, they call it inhaling their own fumes. Like when you're in a boardroom and everyone just pat each other on the back about yeah. how brilliant they are. And this is great without yeah. thinking or even talking to their customers or not considering mm -hmm. what their customers are yeah. saying, you know, yeah, absolutely. and they're all, yeah. And they're just, they're creating something on their own. Like when you said with, um, you know, with people who like engineers, they don't understand. Yeah. And then they get upset when <laughs> it's yes. not just engineers, but anyone who is talking, like, I remember as a personal trainer, I would hear trainers mm. in the gym explaining yeah. something to a client and yeah. I could tell it was way over their heads. They don't care what muscles <laughs> they're yeah, they using, you know, describing the muscles and how they work. The person just wants flat abs. They don't care about any of this stuff, you know? So it's sort of like that, but um, yeah. so what Absolutely. are ways? Yeah. What are ways that you can make B2B content more interesting and engaging? This is something I, 
I try to live and breathe and uh, practice because um, you know that's that's one of the reasons why uh, our, our raison d'être, to use the French term, right, like our reason for being. And I and I tend to pass that on to my customers, right, when they say, okay, well, how can we make this more interesting? I'm like, okay, you take a step back and you ask yourself, like to quote Simon Sinek, right, what's the why, mm-hmm. right? What's the raison d'être? Why does your company exist? And don't start going on about your products and your features and your specs. Why do you exist as a business? Why do you provide the kind of solutions and products that you that you have at, at your disposal? What is it that you're trying to solve for your customer? Like, what is it that's keeping them up at night? What are all these challenges and pain points that they have that you can solve? Why do they, you know, uh, to your point in um, the interview the other day, why did they choose to work with you? over somebody else, right? Because you guys are not working in isolation. You probably have a massive competitive ecosystem. Why did that customer decide to work with you, right? And so I I say all of that to say, you need to talk to your customers. Mm -hmm. Talk to your customers, but even before you do that, I would say, I I would advise customers to do uh, what I call soul searching. So you do this internal um, deep dive, so-called, right? To answer all these questions that I just highlighted. And then you take that and then you go to the customer and then you ask them, okay, so what, what, what is it like you compare notes a little bit, right? Right. And based on the answers that they give and you extract those insights and that will give you these, I call them the ingredients to craft that better story. And mind you, this is the illusion that a lot that I, I've seen this happen a lot in B2B. They think, oh, when I, when I tell a story, it's gotta be about us. No, mm-hmm. the story has to be about how you help the customers to succeed. Right. Don't make it about you. Don't make it about your products and your proprietary technology. Nobody cares about that, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, what I also think needs to, and, 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 and I know this is still a work in progress in, um, in B2B, but you need to inject um, a storytelling element that also in, uh, you know, includes um, or has a bit of a human touch to it. Why? Because that creates authenticity mm-hmm. and I, you know, short of sounding cheesy, I mean, I know it's companies to companies, but at the end of the day, you are dealing with people, right? right? And they don't act on impulse or emotions the way that people do in the, um, you know, in, in the consumer brand world. But at the end of the day, it's also about building trust and credibility because right. you think about it, right? A lot of these people, like, you know, when you, if um, I think it was either, yeah, it was Gartner, right? So if you're looking at Gar- uh, the Gartner came out with a report about the B2B buying journey, mm-hmm. right? And they're talking about, I think that the, the, the stat was anywhere between 80 to 82%. 80 to 82% of B2B buyers would prefer to conduct their own research on said service provider and come come to an informed decision through what they can find that provides that validation without ever talking to the service providers, salespeople. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you? That tells you that they don't want people calling them and right. spamming them and pitch slapping them and telling them, Hey, Linda, let's get in a demo call. They don't want any of that. Yeah. What they want to do is they want to go and do their own independent research and and it's important that they are able to find something that will help them to build trust with you. And what right. is that certain something? I mean, I would hazard a guess that it's content. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I've heard that before. In fact, the statistic I heard is that people are 80% of their way towards making a decision about you when they get on the phone with you. So they have all this research they've done on their own. And there's now, I mean, the way it is now, with especially with AI, you can find out Mm -hmm. so much information before you talk to anybody. And they've almost made up their mind. And so they don't want to be convinced. You know, they want to see, you know, what you're about without your telling them how great you are. One of the things, and I've seen this, I'm not a big fan of his, but we happen to see it a lot. And Guy Fieri has this show that's like all about, it's um, it's on the cooking channel. And mm-hmm. it's um, he goes on these road trips and goes to all these different restaurants. And he always starts with the story behind that restaurant, what where the yeah. people are from. Usually it's an ethnicity thing. They've come from mm-hmm. you know a different country and they wanted to make it big and they opened this restaurant. But it's always right. about the story about the family or you know, the origin. And because it adds that human element. And then they walk into the restaurant and they introduce all the food and how it came about. You know, and it, it adds that uh, it's not just like, okay, here's another burger joint. Cause no one cares. You know, right. it's like, well, right. why is it that you're doing this? Why, you know, why do you make your burgers upside down? I don't know, whatever it is. Exactly. Do. Exactly. You exactly. Know. And if, you know, you know, and you you work on you know you you have worked like uh, with clients like this in the past uh, as well, and I'm sure. But if you just look at some of these um these B two B websites, right, and especially the more corporate ones, I mean, they're 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 the I would say the repeat offenders because the homepage on their website is a picture of the facade of a tall skyscraper. <laughs> I know. Right. And then and then and then the <laughs> the about us section is a picture of an empty conference room. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so what, what are you trying to what are you trying to tell me here? Like, is this right. commercial real estate, and you're 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 selling this empty office space, it's or so what are you accurate. doing? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and 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 you know, you've, I've seen that changing. Like, I you know, there was a company I worked with in the past. Um, I'm not going to say who they are, but like, um, they were they were they're in the semiconductor space, right? And they made that migration where they added a bit more of a human touch to their brand. So from from one day to the next, literally, when they migrated their website, suddenly you saw people's faces, mm-hmm. stories of the engineers, stories of how their team worked with the client's team to achieve a certain milestone, right? And it, it added that human element. And, right. and, you know, clearly semiconductors, this is a very, like, intensely B2B uh, segment, right, mm-hmm. in the market. It's interesting because I did work with a hospitality tech company um, okay. a couple years ago. And the the website was all like you described it. It was picture of somebody on their phone. You didn't see their face. You just saw their hand. Yeah. And everything was yeah. very tech. And it was tech, mm-hmm. but it was family. It's a family-owned hospitality tech business. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. no one knew that. And so mm-hmm. I worked with the designer, and we redid the entire website. And the copy now includes somebody uh, in a hotel, like shaking the hand of the customer. It's very that human element that people wanted, and it adds so much warmth. And the de- designer um, added, you know, warm colors to it. Mm-hmm. Whole different mm-hmm. feel, and it's like night and day, you know. So, is yeah. there any niche? like industry where this doesn't work or what are some differences maybe between between them in my experience i feel that this approach is applicable across the board i think where it gets a little bit tricky and where you have to be a bit more careful is if it's a bigger corporation and you're dealing with multiple brands mm-hmm. right yeah. so what i mean by that is like for example and i'm sure you've heard it like you know the the the, the branded house versus the house of brands and uh, for those of you that don't know the difference is um a branded house, let's just think of Virgin, 
Virgin Group, right? And then uh, a house of brands is like P&G and all the brands that fall under that. Okay. So whenever you're expanding um, that portfolio, so to speak, and you're launching a new brand, then then you have to come up with a different, like a brand story for that brand, right? And it's not just a brand story, but it's the way that you uh, tell the story about the brand and uh, you use that angle of that approach, which then permeates into the rest of the content. I would say that that's where I've seen, okay, you have to use a different approach because it's a bit more diversified. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Can you give an example of like a story behind a brand that that helped land, like that story helped land that brand on the map? So I've been thinking about this one. I don't know if these exactly like landed these brands on the map, but they definitely stood out and, and they got significant media coverage, right? So... The first one is uh, BCLP. So it's an international law firm that mainly deals with companies in the finance industry. Mm -hmm. And they came up with, I mean, you know, that's pretty dry if you ask me, but like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) um, so it's a, it's, it's a global law firm that deals with uh, companies in the, in the financial industry. And what they really wanted to do is, um, convey that message about their core competency and in, in terms of how. Uh, the company knew how to help bankers get out of uh, sticky financial uh, situations or issues. So the company's marketing team decided, and I thought this was super clever, um, and I'm happy to send links after after this conversation. They created a series of Ocean's Eleven-inspired YouTube videos telling cautionary tales, is what they call them, about what will happen if bankers fail to heed regulatory advice. And they called it cautionary tales, and it's filmed in that style, right? Ocean's Eleven, but it's all black and white. That sounds so great. I thought that was that was really clever, and I think it was according to B two B Marketing net. So that's a they're based out of the UK. Uh huh. That campaign um, generated five hundred fifteen percent more leads than the campaign target. Wow. Or BCLP. Yeah. Right? So that's pretty impressive. Um, you should go ha- have a look uh, uh, look at it I'll if you haven't heard out. of it. Um. The other one that comes to mind, uh, which certainly put put this brand on the map for me, um, was uh, Cisco. So Cisco has this division. I mean, it, Cisco is another one of these companies. And, you know, case in point, they've got a massive uh, product portfolio, right? And it's all in, it's all in like technology and software and whatnot. But they had this specific branch, which is dealing strictly with cybersecurity, right? Mm-hmm. Cybersecurity and cybersecurity issues. So what did these guys do? They took a unique approach to, um, you know, it's a very complex subject, right? Cybersecurity. And their target audience obviously are CTOs, uh, CISOs, CIOs, okay? So they put those challenges that these guys are facing on a daily basis into an immersive graphic novel, right? So they came up with this comic book, um, basically, that talked about, like, cybersecurity. And it's just one of the most uh, creative campaigns I've seen in a long time. Wow. So that, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like they used, especially the first one, used humor. Mm. Right? I mean, because if you can take something, because that's the other debate in B2B, yeah. using humor. Yes. Like people are afraid, and yet we all love to laugh. And all the, you know, you look at the Super Bowl commercials, they're always the mm-hmm. ones, the most popular are always the funny ones. You yes. know, and, and so yes. even though we say that we don't want to, you know, we're afraid to use humor. Don't be too funny. People don't take you seriously. I the commercial that just popped into my head because I just saw it recently was that mm-hmm. E Trade. You know, the talking babies on the E Trade commercials. You ever see yes, that? Yes, yes, yes. They have a yeah. new one, 
and it yeah. is so hilarious because the <laughs> the the voices are matched perfectly to these kids and they're these babies sitting around a table talking about you know finances and it's it's hilarious i never knew about e-trade until i saw those commercials so they're you know yeah you and it yeah but what's interesting is as you're talking i'm asking myself is it really the story behind the brand or is it just in the marketing like so it's the story um is it the same thing or is it like I'm thinking of um, yeah. kind of the yeah. backstory versus some like are I, they weaving it into the commercial or there, I, I, I think um I, I I think it's a combination of both because it's uh, you know a part of it is like okay, you know there, there's the camp that says, okay, this is probably just a marketing gimmick and it's a one-off thing. But I, I I do believe like just looking at those two campaigns that they were in fact linked to the brand story to mm-hmm. the story uh, behind the brand. And uh, it's a reflection of who, um, you know, Cisco or BCLP are as companies, in fact. And I think to your point, um, Linda, about like um, using humor, my answer to that really is um, it depends, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a place in time, like with AI, there's a place in time for it. And there's a place in time where you um, probably, um, it's not avoid using humor. You just have to be careful about how you use it. Right. Right. Um, and I've seen that like, because I, I suppose also it depends again on, uh, the geography, the market and the demographic that you're appealing to, because I've seen this like in my, in my years in Asia where something, something that's funny in North America can totally backfire in Asia, right? (laughs) Things can get lost in translation or they're just these cultural nuances that maybe the marketing team and the other geography are not aware of and they're like yeah. oh well it worked here and it was so successful it you know it's 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 definitely going to make waves in, in these other markets and uh, you know to which i always say yeah it'll make waves but <laughs> more like a like a tsunami <laughs> and not, right right so it's it, not in a good way right mm. it was so funny because as you know my mother was japanese my late mom and yes. she did not get a lot of abstract like concepts and my dad who had a really great sense of humor was always telling these Mm -hmm. jokes and she would get so super frustrated because she didn't get them which only made it funnier and so it was like you know she would just roll her eyes and leave the room like i just don't get it you know and there's definitely differences culturally and you have to be careful but but the thing with humor too is it doesn't have to Mm -hmm. be hilarious it could just be a turn of phrase it could be the unique way of wording something that makes you know kind of brings a smile so You know, yeah, I mean, those exactly. are the things that are a little bit safer, especially in B two B. And yeah, the yeah. usually, and the this is one of the rules that I learned about copywriting. And you see mm. this a lot with the Apple ads: is that the heading could be humorous, but the rest of the copy needs to be really serious. Like, so the heading might be, right. um, like I remember they had they were announcing some one of their phones is waterproof, and the heading mm-hmm. just said, like you know, P F F F F T, you know, water. It's something to do with how water is, you know, we don't worry about water, but the rest right. of the ad was all about, it was, it was serious, but you know, there's exactly. kind of a little flip exactly. headline, you know, something exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, what would you suggest? Like, what would you say they should not do? Is there anything like we just talked a little bit about don't do this with humor. Is there anything else? Like, is, is there such a thing as too much story, too much backstory? Yeah. I mean, look, in my in my opinion, and it's probably because I do this professionally, I don't think there's ever such a thing as too much story, <laughs> but provided that the story doesn't focus on you, you being the the, the company, right? Mm-hmm. And 
this is the part where people are like, well, what do you mean? Like, I mean, this is our campaign, so why shouldn't it be about us? Right. I'm like, okay, you're missing the point. The story should be about your customer, mm -hmm. right? The story should be about how you help your customer to succeed. So, and you know, there's different uh, story like telling formats. And the one that I always love to bring up is the one, um, it's called the hero's journey. Yeah. And um, I don't know if he coined it, but he basically like created this formula after doing all this research. So it was a professor of uh, mythology, I think he was, Joseph Campbell, right? So he came up with the hero's journey that has seven steps, right? So a hero has a problem and that hero goes on, that, on a journey to find the solution, meets a guide who then gives him or her, um, you know, a plan and encourages this person to take action so that they will succeed and avert failure, right? So the hero in the story needs to be the customer, right? Make the customer the hero of the story. So that's that's one thing I would say you focus on and don't um, don't stray from that path, right. so to speak. I think the other thing that um, they shouldn't be doing is um, avoid talking about your product in your story, right? Avoid avoid focusing too much on the features, mm -hmm. right? So that's that's one thing I would advise um, them to not do. The other thing I would encourage them to do, because I know some of them haven't done this, is talk to your customers, right? Conduct those customer interviews, and you know, then 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 you then you always get the well, yeah, but then you know we have to talk to sales, and sales might not um you know share the um share the client's information or the customer's information with us. So there's a, there's going to be a bit of that pushback, and you and I had that conversation previously. <laughs> but I think it's I think it's 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 imperative, right? And, you know, I'm sure you've seen this um, throughout your career. Um, if you look at a piece of content, it's it's really obvious if somebody has never spoken to a customer. Right. Because it's reflected, it's reflected in the content. Yeah. And they think, you know, and that's the problem is that a lot of times people don't know what they don't know or they're looking at right. it. Well, it sounds great. You know, and everyone in the company thinks it's great. But as I said before, if you're inhaling your own fumes and it's like you're not talking to anybody else, then... You're leaving out a huge part of, you know, what the value is to that person or potential value. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this has been great. I really appreciate this, Christian. It's been such great information. Um, anything else you want to add that, that we should know about? Um, like, like say a, a company says, okay, you know, what? I'm going to really work on improving, you know, my content and make it less boring. What, maybe what are a couple of things they can do right off the bat to create a story or find a story? Yeah, I mean, you know, and this is probably like content marketing 101, but just just uh, just do a little bit of an audit of your existing content and you know see what's uh what's working and what I mean by that is like okay, um what has the most downloads, what gets what gets the most likes on social media, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What has the most eyeballs, mm -hmm. right? Um and also have a look at what's not working because that's that's equally as important or if not I would say even more important because then you know that okay, maybe we either a should avoid talking about this topic in the future or B, um, find a way to tweak it or, or approach it from a different angle. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, oh, that's a, that's a great one that I, that I um, actually didn't bring up earlier. If, if people are running out of ideas, right. Or, or I, I don't know if you've heard this, I've heard this a couple of times working with some, uh, with some customers where they say, okay, we don't actually have a story. Um, you know, we don't have anything to write about pertaining to this topic, et cetera, et cetera. And to that, I always say, well, you know, there's more than one angle to tell a story, right? So you have to use the journalist's eye 
and be able to tell that story from a different angle and a different perspective, mm -hmm. right? Because um, that you know may, may, maybe you're looking at it like because I, I I do like drawing in my spare time, and you know sometimes like you know there's one way to draw it like 2D, but then you can also draw it from 3D. You can draw it from a different angle from the top and from the bottom, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? So that's what I would encourage them to do. Yeah. Right. The other one is also again it's to conduct um, those customer interviews because really by conducting those interviews you'll be able to extract those insights particularly around what the uh, customers challenges are and what they're facing but you know not to just not to be all negative about it but you know on the other side also look to what their aspirations are and what they hope to achieve and their what their goals are right mm -hmm. because that way you can also create a story where you can spin a story about like you know how you as a service provider might be the right partner for them mm -hmm. because you have that knowledge, you have that expertise, you have that know-how, and you can you can help them to succeed. Exactly. And what is the, the transformation they can expect from working with you? Correct. That's how it always, That's right. you know, the end result. Yeah. Well, this has been great. So where can people find you if they want to know more about what you do or if they want are interested in working with you? Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been a great conversation. Um, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I, I think there's a couple of Christian Kleps and they're all in Europe, um, but, but I'm the only one on LinkedIn, I think, with Einblick Consulting. So my my handle is uh, Christian Klepp Einblick Consulting. So Einblick is E-I-N-B-L-I-C-K in a consulting. Um, or you can check out our website at einblick.co. And you can also tune into my um, podcast, uh, B2B Marketers on the Mission, and I had the pleasure of um, interviewing Linda on my show as well. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'll put all those links to, to everything in the show notes. And thank you again. This has been great. And that is a wrap of today's episode. I hope you found some actionable advice that you can use to help you improve your copy conversions. And for even more copywriting exclusive tips, be sure to click the link in the show notes to sign up for my weekly newsletter so you don't miss a beat. And as always, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a review. It really helps me out. Talk again soon.